Turn to the lady next to you and say, Merry Christmas. Now, we better open up in prayer so your teacher can get her brain in gear. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for each of these dear ladies. Father, may we now on purpose quiet our hearts and minds and may you speak to us from your word. Father, we're in such a blessed season as we exalt and recognize the unspeakable gift. Father, with this, I do pray for the many prayer requests just that we had this morning. And Father, I know there are so many more. So I pray that you will reveal to every heart your love and your care and your purpose, even as we celebrate Jesus. And we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know how far we're going to get through this, but um, we generally don't finish our lessons anyways, do we? We're going to start out with your cookie, okay, because there's always a purpose in your cookie. It is not the calories, obviously. It is the fact that this cookie, as I say to you, I don't want to just say Merry Christmas. I truly don't. I want us to go deeper and more meaningful than what Merry Christmas has become in our blessed America. If you had to, if you had to give a flavor of Christmas, the flavor would be peppermint, okay? The candy cane is iconic uh, as a symbol for Christmas. It's the flavor of Christmas. I gave you a gospel track. If you want some more, they're in that basket back there. That's the candy cane gospel track. But I want us to do more than celebrate candy cane. I want us to taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what I want you to taste, and that's what we're going to work on today in this lesson today. So it's symbolic in the fact that, yes, what is the flavor of Christmas? Well, God made our tongue with five different areas that we could taste and see for the purpose of understanding when he tells us, Carol, by the way, a wonderful answer to prayer with Bruce, another answer to prayer. We just praise the Lord. But another reason why God put all those flavors on our tongue is so when he told us, children, taste and see me, he wanted us, he wanted us to relate to it. The other thing about your cookie is that it is high. It's high and lifted up. It's on a red and white straw. And because it's on a red and white straw and it's lifted up, it's not just a cookie on a plate or a platter. It's lifted up. It brings significance to the cookie. That's what I want us to do with Christmas. We need to lift up Jesus. We need to give him the significance, the high and lifted up position that he wants us to have concerning celebrating Christmas. So it's not just Merry Christmas. No, it is the flavor of tasting and seeing what we have. It is the significance of lifting up and truly learning how to celebrate Christmas. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, because for years, the Christmas season has been sugar-coated. Wouldn't you agree with me? For years in blessed America, um, the true meaning has been hijacked 
by good things, by good things. It's been sidelined, the, the real thing. The month is filled with lights and decorations and choir cantatas and family get-togethers and feasting and presents and kids coming home from college. Pray for the college students as they'll be going back and forth again. Uh, caroling. And yes, yes, there is the babe in the manger. But the Christmas story, the real true meaning of Christmas, is kind of squeezed in. Wouldn't you agree? Hopefully it gets squeezed in. Let me gently say as kindly as I can, Jesus did not come to earth to give us a cozy holiday on this planet. That's not why he came. Jesus came to save this sinner from her sin. She desperately needed a savior. Jesus came, and so that you could know him personally. Jesus came because I was hopeless. And until we dwell on the miracle of Christmas, elevating it, tasting what I have because I have salvation until we go through that on a daily process in all the moments of this December, Amanda, as, as all these other good things try to shove out the true meaning of Christmas, it's got to be a consorted effort of, yes, I'm going to celebrate you, Jesus. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to share you with others. I'm going to sing about what you've done for me. And then I start to celebrate the true meaning of Christmas. Now, the irony is, if you're sitting here with a hurting heart, it hurts more because it's Christmas. See, because for decades, we have manipulated Christmas into what we're supposed to be feeling. What are we supposed to be feeling? Oh, we're supposed to be feeling all these good vibes because it's Christmas. And here I stand or sit with a heart that's hurting. And so the juxtaposition of those feelings make me feel like I can't celebrate Christmas. And nothing could be further from the truth. Matter of fact, if you're sitting here hurting this morning, do you know what? You're feeling more truth about Christmas than when you are not hurting. Let me read you this true illustration. Uh, concerning what I'm talking about. Jill Briscoe, author and speaker, recalls being asked to speak to a church gathering in Croatia for 200 newly arrived refugees. They were mostly women because the men were either dead or in slave camps or fighting. She was scheduled to speak in the evening, but after seeing their terrible situation, what she had prepared seemed totally inadequate. So she put her notes away and prayed, oh God, give me creative ideas that they can identify with. And that evening she told the refugees, the refugees about Jesus, who as a baby became a refugee himself. He was hunted by soldiers. His parents had to flee Egypt, flee, flee to Egypt at night, leaving everything behind. Sensing that her audience was now listening intently, she continued telling them about Jesus' life. And when she got to the cross, she said, he hung there naked 
not like the pictures that tell a different story. Her listeners knew what she meant. Some of them had been stripped naked and tortured. And at the end of the message, she said, all these things have happened to you. You are homeless. You had to flee. You've suffered unjustly. You didn't have a choice. And there she stopped and said, but Jesus did. Jesus knew everything that was going to happen to him. But because he loved us, mankind, so much, he, choose, he chose to make the decision to come and save us from our deplorable state. And what did that involve? It had unbelievable consequences for our Jesus. First of all, he left heaven. Can you imagine leaving heaven? I tell you what, girls, when we get there, I'm never leaving. <laughs> but he chose to leave. Because he looked at us in the state we are in, from birth, born into sin. And he said, they need a savior. They need a savior. So he left heaven. And then, remarkably, he didn't just come and, and pay the price, which was a horrible price of suffering at the cross and shedding his blood. But Donna, he became like you and me. Scripture says, and being found in fashion as a man. It's like, this is what I choose to become. I take on this human paper sack and everything that goes with it. Because I will truly know exactly what they're feeling. Now, he knew anyways, but we would have never believed him had he not walked in our shoes. See? We, we live by that. Well, you just don't know how bad it is. You walk in my shoes and see how it is. Oh, Jesus did just that, Donna. Then he didn't even come as an adult, which is a little bit more. He humbled himself and came as a baby. I love the manger scenes, but I look at them so differently than when I was young because I cannot imagine that. Jesus, the one, the Godhead who spoke the worlds into existence, chose to come as a baby, vulnerable, needy, dependent. He's all power, girls. He's all authority. And he gave that away, still God, and chose to come as a baby in the manger. Now he had to be taught how to speak. That became really real to me when I had to teach Clint how to say his words. Oh, what Jesus did. He humbled himself in ways we cannot even imagine. And then he suffered. Then he had rejection. Then he was scoffed. Then he was mocked. Then he was made fun of. And then he was finally taken to the cross and cruelly crucified. There is no tragedy, no humiliation, no loss, nor pain that he has not known. Why did he do that, Jenny? Because our life is filled with so much of that. And he wanted us to know how much he loves us.
so he came. Now, when all those things that spell security and comfort are removed, we become keenly aware of how much we need and how much we needed Jesus to come. Girls, we can't make heaven on earth. <laughs> Maya, no matter how much we decorate, no matter how many cookies we bake, no matter how many parties we throw or attend, no matter how we manipulate the, the lights, no matter how many kids get to come home for Christmas, we cannot make heaven on earth. Sin has infected and affected every aspect of our life. And that's why Jesus came. And that's what we get to celebrate. Because, girls, he not only has saved us unto himself, he's adopted us into the family. We have forgiveness of sin. We have, we're saved from hell, but we're saved unto heaven for all eternity. And we get to celebrate that every single day with everything that we go through. And now I'm going to give you some very practical ways of while we celebrate together and we deal with things on each of our hearts, God forbid, I bite my tongue, I seal it shut, if I go to the old way of sugar-coated Christmases and say, it just doesn't feel like Christmas. On my worst day, it feels the closest to Christmas that truly happened. And knowing that changes everything. Turn to Luke 2, because I'm going to give you an acrostic that helps you and me celebrate the true meaning of Christmas, the true feeling of Christmas, as we take Luke 2, the real Christmas story, and apply it to 2023. It's got to be where you live until we learn to dwell and exalt and think on the true, real meaning of Christmas. We really don't celebrate. And no matter what we do, it's going to end up tasting a little bit flat real soon because something's going to happen, and it's not going to be what you and I expected. This is what happened, and praise God, it lifts and it exalts everything that happens to us because Jesus came. So first of all, let me remind you, um, if, if circumstances are poking you like a tough piece of straw, if you are being scratched deeply like hay in a manger, if the inn of life is full and you stay uninvited because there's no room for you, if the relatives are as cold as a drafty old barn, girls, you're celebrating the true Christmas. So take heart because Jesus came with all hope to walk beside us through everything and say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Take my hand. Fear not. I will help you. We're going to celebrate together. So with this in Luke 2, with the acrostic, Merry Christmas, this is what we're going to do. Good. I didn't think I would get this far. Um, 
If you have a pen, I want you to write this down. We're not going to get all the way through, so I want this to be your homework this week. We're going to take Luke 2. We're going to celebrate the true meaning of Christmas by finding what Luke 2 has for me to celebrate in this Christmas. So we're not going to read it. We're not going to recite it. We're not going to sing it. We're going to go past knowledge to the dwelling, the deeper place of tasting what the Lord has done because he came. Applying the word to our hearts. And you keep applying the word and the promises and the facts of Luke 2 until your heart sings. You see, girls, if being truly born again means God's spirit dwells inside of me. And when I say, Lord, I want to celebrate Christmas. But now you know because of this, this, and this, I don't feel like it. How many have their tree up? Raise your hand if you have your tree up. Good for you. I don't. <laughs> but it, it'll get up. It'll get up. Lord, help me celebrate Christmas in a better way than I ever have. Make this Christmas the one in which I truly know how to say and live Merry Christmas because you came. So from Luke 2, we have this acrostic. We're going to go through Luke 2, the very words. We're going to take phrases from Luke 2, and um, we're going to pull out those phrases and define them with one or two <coughs> word phrases that pull Luke 2 into 2023. Girls, if we don't understand how to take God's word and pull it out of 2,000 years ago, and put it in my day-to-day, -day. <laughs> that's like baking a cake and never eating it. That's like taking a peppermint cookie and never tasting it. God says, Kathy, relate this to your life. It's the best gift in the world. So Luke 2, here we go. The acrostic. It says, what does it say, class? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. What does it say, class? Merry Thank you. We're going to pull out of... Luke 2 phrases and define them so that you and I know how to live Merry Christmas today. It's like a present we're going to open. The first letter, M. Ready? And it came to pass in those days. And it came to pass in those days. Okay, take the phrase, think about your days, those days, your days. And it came to pass in those days. Well, what about your days? What has come to pass in your days? Last week, last month, this year, this 2023, what has come to pass that you could describe, describe in one word that would begin with the letter M? Here are some examples. And it came to pass in those days, my days. What were my days like the last mess? <laughs> um, multitasking. Um, musical. Clint loves Christmas music. We have been playing Christmas music since the end of October. Music, music, music. Okay, but no, that really doesn't describe and it came to pass in those days. Misunderstandings, multitasking. Here's the word I chose. Ready? Mundane. And it came to pass in those days, those days. There's nothing more daily than day after day after day after day. 
There's nothing more daily than that. And Jesus came to save our soul for eternity, Judy, but he chooses to walk with me in my dailiness. He walks with me in my dailiness. It doesn't matter whether we're making beds or making millions or making messes. Life is purposeless without walking with Jesus in my day. He says, child, let me save you from your dailiness, whether it's a good day or a bad day or anything in between. Let me tell you how to make it. Merry Christmas if it's the middle of July. You're walking with me, 1 Corinthians 10.31, and in your moments, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you're doing in your days, in those days, on purpose, reference it and say, Lord, I'm doing this as unto you. Uh, it, what, whatever job it is, whatever responsibility it is, whatever task it is, whatever fun thing it is, if it's driving the kids to school, Lord, I'm doing this for your glory. It changes everything when you on purpose do what you do every day to honor God with it. God's word says, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you know what God does? He writes it down. You've just taken the daily tasks, the daily stuff that you have to do all over again tomorrow, and you've just made them eternal because you've done them for the Lord. Amanda, as you're mothering and getting ready to mother more, all that you do from picking up, from teaching, from correcting, and boy, I tell you what, the way it changes, the way we do what we do, when we give it to the Lord and do it for his glory, it changes my tone. It changes my responses. You cannot say, Lord, help me to problem solve with this person and then bite their head off. You cannot do it. But when you say, Lord, help me deal with this person. I, I have to do this problem solving here. I will do it for your glory. Changes everything. So, and it came to pass in those days, make your days one in which all that you are doing is to honor God. Then we went, um, then the next phrase, there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Hmm, what word beginning with E describes should be taxed? Oh, I heard it. Expenses. Expenses. This Christmas season can get out of control with expenses. And God has so much to say about money, the love of it, the use of it, the stewardship of it. We just spent four weeks on a series on being content with such things as you have. For the Lord said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's got so much to teach me concerning money and my want tour. So refer back to those notes and put it into practice, especially in the month of December, that all the world should be taxed and remind yourself that the greatest gifts are not bought with money. The greatest gifts are not bought with money. They are, <laughs> they are, Nautica, cutting out paper snowflakes and putting them on the tree with your daughter. Those are the great, that's what will be remembered. 
learning to pray, Lord, I would love to buy this or get this, but I can't. But you have told me that you will supply all my needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. So you will give me what I need. Let me get inventive and creative in my expenses where it doesn't cost money, but I'm a blessing to them. I can jot down a note. I can bake cookies. I can smile. I can say, how can I help? I can be a friend. There are so many wonderful ways to meet the need that does not mean expenses or money. Verse 2, and this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up out of Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Okay, here's the phrase I picked out that I want to bring into 2023 that you need to. It is the house and lineage of David. Give me a word starting with R that has to do with house and lineage. Aha, you're with me, relatives. Okay. What does God want me to do concerning my relatives to celebrate the true meaning of Christmas with my relatives? What would he have me to do? Well, there's a lot of things. First of all, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Then bless them by making their Christmas better. Just wanted to say Merry Christmas, love you, bye. Make your relatives, make your family's Christmas better by being cheerful. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be accepted. Have you been around somebody who always is complaining, who is always talking about the bad, the worst, the ugly, all, the, all that? It is such a downer. How can I celebrate the true meaning of Christmas with my relatives? I tell you what, be a blessing. Look to the lady next to you and say, be a blessing. Tell her, tell her. And don't preach to her. Tell her kindly. <laughs> don't bark at her. Be a blessing. Be a blessing. Encourage. Encourage. You know better than anybody else the, the situations that your relatives are going through, the hard things. So be a blessing. Don't contribute to their pain. And you say, well, they don't do that for me. Obviously. So you do it for them because why? Back to this first one on the mundane, on the dailiness. Dear Father, I want to celebrate Christmas today in a way that honors you. I will be a blessing to Mr. Grouchy. You know. Verse 5. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. What's an R word that has to do with being great with child? I'm going to say two words, Amanda. Ready? Really rough. Really rough. Being great with child. It's really rough. Now, this is so beautiful because it's applicable to all of us if we're going through something really rough. This specifically, boy, do a study on Mary. I, I can't believe that woman. I can't wait to meet her. She's probably a 16-year-old girl, and what she faced, it was really, really rough, and now she's really, really pregnant. Think about 
her submission to God's plan and apply that to the rough time that you're going through, perhaps with a child or a grandchild. Follow Mary's example. You did not hear that bell. I legitimately have you for five more minutes, okay? She, this is what she did, and you can read about it. She pondered. She didn't sweep it under the rug and ignore it. She didn't try to hide it. No, she pondered. She thought deeply about it. When you think deeply about it, it means that she thought about it. She brought her thoughts to God. God, I don't know what's going on, but you do. She pondered, and then she praised. She praised. I love this about this young girl who had the maturity of a 50-year-old at 15. She, she got up. She did not worry. She did not fret. She did not complain. And you cannot believe what she was facing. You know, back in her day, you were stoned if you were pregnant out of wedlock. Let alone, she didn't know if Joseph would marry her or if he would believe her. All the stuff that was invading her, she pondered and she praised the most beautiful, proactive way I can... Pardon me? Yeah, she did have that, and that, that gave her great confidence. But that angel didn't appear to everybody she lived with. No, but and the angel shows up and says, yeah, don't worry about this. He says, I can definitely give you Confidence. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to. Confidence, but she still didn't know what was going to happen. Right. If an angel appeared to me, we and, and we've, we've got the living word of God, and, and I don't. I don't take that and apply that when somebody ticks me off, <laughs> you know. What's wrong with me? Don't you believe the word? I do believe the word, but I don't apply it. Mary was in the same situation. Don't you believe the angel? She could have not applied it. She could have said, maybe it was something I ate the night before. You know, maybe, was that real? Did anybody else see the angel? Joseph, do you know what happened to me? Do you know how many people did not believe her, Paulette? Laughed at her, scoffed her. Her own parents wanted to put her away privately. Yeah, it was an amazing miracle that the angel came. But it's an even bigger amazing miracle, her faith. She believed God. The example there, do I, when God tells me to do something, do I obey? Do I believe it? Do I ponder and then do I praise? Do I ponder and yes, I do it, but then I sulk about it and everybody knows what a big martyr I am? That's much more like Kathy. God forbid, if I want to really celebrate Merry Christmas and live it, I will take those really rough situations and circumstances, and I will find the truth that God's word says about it, and I will say, God, that settles it. I believe God, and I'm going to do the next right thing, and that's what, and that's what Mary did. She did the next right thing. Um. Oh, and on this pray and, and praying for the children, I did want to mention this too. This is so beautiful. Uh, those of you who are in the WOW prayer program that Teresa began, this was a beautiful answer to prayer this year in praying for our children and our grandchildren. Carol's grandson, Tristan, received Christ. That is God's answer to praying. 
Julie's grandson received Christ and in the most beautiful way. It was Nicole's DJ who witnessed to him and showed him how he could be saved. Praise God. Pray. Pray. Give it to God and then continue to pray. God, I know you're going to answer this prayer. What a beautiful miracle with that. Verse 6, and so while it was there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. A word beginning with why that would describe she should be delivered. <laughs> Yay. Yes. Yes, that she should be delivered. Now, how does that apply to me in 2023? I want you to recall this. In your recent days, and it came to pass in my days, I want you to recall what have you been delivered from, or to say that grammatically correct, from what have you been delivered? Name it. List it. Celebrate it. Say yes. Let others know. This is what God has done in my life. This is how God answered this prayer. Share it with your husband. Share it with your children. Share it with your grandchildren. Share it with your relatives. And by the way, you don't even have to wait to be delivered to say yes. Matter of fact, your faith will speak louder. Your Merry Christmas will be more on point when you say, yes, dear God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do. I can say yes about this situation even before I see anything happen because you have promised me, you have promised me that you hear me and that you care and that you will work. You will perfect that which concerneth me even if this prayer request doesn't turn out the way I'm praying, I trust you. I trust you. Your way is perfect. Yes, yes, yes. Say yes through November. And then she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger. What word, and we'll finish up on this one, begins with C that matches the phrase, laid him in a manger. No, I want a feeling because we're so into our feelings. Cheerful? cheerful? Putting your baby in a cow's trough? I wish I would be cheerful. But you know what? I had be a beautiful, creepy would be much more closer. I, I have crummy. Right, crummy. She's in a barn. She's exhausted. Okay, now picture this because that's where it becomes applicable so that I can celebrate Christmas when I'm going through something really crummy and and I can say, dear Lord, thank you for coming. Mary has just given birth. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes, rags around his little body. Why did she lay him in a manger, Jan? She was exhausted. Her arms were so weak. She was ready to drop him. She would just been through childbirth in a barn. I don't know where Joseph was. I, I'm sure he was out doing something that needed to be done. But for Mary to wrap baby Jesus and lay him in a manger, Karen, she laid him in a manger because she was as weak as a noodle. Those of you who've been through childbirth, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know how long her labor was, but it was the first baby. I bet it was long. And she's looking around and a space to put her baby and all that's there, Amanda, is a cow's trough. 
would say that's crummy. But again, putting her total trust in God, he doeth all things well. God, when I go through something crummy, especially at Christmas time, I want to respond like Mary. I want to wrap it up and put it in the place that you provide. It won't be my choice because that's why it's crummy, but it's your choice, and I trust you with all my heart. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid baby Jesus in a manger. Again, because there was no room in the inn. When something crummy happens in December, get resourceful instead of resentful. Use what you've been given and wait for God to bless. Like the lad with the lunch, couldn't do, he couldn't feed all those people, but he gave what he had. Like David, what did he have in his pocket? A stone, Viv, a stone. And he took what he had and he said, oh God, you are the great God. Do what you will with what I have. So as I face any crummy challenge in December, this is our prayer. God, you've allowed it or you've directed it. Be my strength for your glory. Because greater is the Holy Spirit in me than anything in this world. And what does the world need to see most of all? Jesus who came. So as you wrap presents and you get ready to do all the festivities that are attempting to hijack Christmas. I want you to go through the rest of this. You make up your own acrostic from Luke 2. You cannot believe how applicable and real and how it changes the way you celebrate Merry Christmas. It was the day after Christmas, the pastor of the church was looking over their nativity scene when he noticed the baby Jesus was missing. Immediately, he turned and went outside and saw a little boy with a red wagon. The wagon inside had the figure of the little baby Jesus. So he walked up to the boy and said, well, where did you get him, my fine friend? The little boy replied, I got him from the church. And why did you take him? The little boy said, well, about a week before Christmas, I prayed to the little Lord Jesus. I told him if he would bring me a red wagon for Christmas, I'd give him the first ride in it. <laughs> Are gifts important? Yes, they are. <laughs> Understand this in closing, Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Gift. Celebrate the gift. Elevate your Jesus. Truly celebrate. Merry Christmas.